You're listening to Policy Room by SPRF. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to the SPRF podcast on the topic of the growing problem of unsecured lending. Just this month, financial lending took a new turn with the linking of UPI to one's credit cards. The RBI has proposed to allow the linking of credit cards, starting with rupee credit cards on the UPI platform. This move will incentivize people towards availing credit cards and more unsecured loans, which also makes it easier for people to fall into a debt cycle. Today, we will talk about unsecured lending in India and the problems and challenges that are associated with it. But before that, we'd like to introduce you to our guests. Um, hi, Furkan. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. I'm Yashrup, a research associate at SPRF, and co-hosting with me is my colleague, Fahad Nervi. Hello. Hi, Fahad. Uh, so for the audience, we are joined by Furkan Moharkan. He's a business journalist with over a decade of experience, as well as being a best-selling author. In his earlier stints as a reporter with the Deccan Herald and as a columnist at the Bangkok, he wrote extensively on banking, financial markets, investments, and regulatory affairs. He has extensively covered India's debt market crisis and banking crisis. He is currently a staff writer at the Morning Context. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, So we'll just jump right into it, Purgan. And on this topic, I'll have to admit that uh, a lot of us are probably clueless when it comes to the magnitude or the growing problem of unsecured lending. Uh, to a lay listener, let's say somebody who's new to banking policy or regulations, regulations and knows just the bare minimum for their own personal lives, how would you describe this topic and how would you instill the relevance of this topic uh, for a listener? So, unsecured lending for for the uninitiated is something which is where where there is no underlying collateral for the loan so you, you know your credit cards your personal loans they all fall under on the retail side on the retail banking side and co- on corporate banking as well uh, there are certain products which are unsecured but on the retail side which affects the common consumer something like personal loans uh, or, or say credit cards they are all unsecured usually their interest rate in these situations are very high in on the retail side so, so you lend to microfinance institutions as business loans they, those are unsecured loans so these are sec, the loans which are not secured by a collateral so it's very explicit by the name itself that they are not secured by the loans in case that there is a default on the loan what happens in that situation that is the question to be asked right so uh if I were to understand in a nutshell, uh, it's it's different in the sense that given that there's no collateral, how does yes. a bank go about identifying how to give someone an unsecured loan? And and what is what are usually these unsecured loans predominantly used for by a consumer? So pers- if you look at personal loans, so personal loans is a category of unsecured loans. It's used for day-to-day consumption by the people or credit cards again you use credit cards which is an unsecured loan segment it's again used for, for on the basis of this thing uh, for your day-to-day consumptions you you don't use credit cards to make uh, buy a house in house you need a proper secured loan which is uh, secured by the collateral which is the house you have bought so there is the underlying security where you have a 20 percent margin also 
so 15 to 20 percent some banks uh, ask you to pay 15 percent from your pocket and while as others ask for 20 percent from your pocket so that 15 to 20 percent is the margin for the bank in case right. there is a housing default I mean, right. in case of economic adversity, even that diff- uh, uh, that margin doesn't work like we saw in the global financial crisis of 2008, where the mortgage loans were the culprit. So, right. but then the fact here, how do the, you, you asked a very critical question, how do the banks lend in exactly. unsecured loans? So, there is a pan-bank system of a Sybil score, where, which gives your uh, you a credit worthiness how much how much a person is you know dependable while taking the credit so it is this credit uh, civil report is pulled out in both both cases when you go for some uh, secured loan like a car loan or a house loan as well as unsecured loan now what happens in these cases in case of uh, uh, primarily in sec- uh, secured loans your civil score determines your interest rate. The lower your civil score is, the higher higher the interest you are you would be paying on your uh, loan. But in case of your uh, this thing um, unsecured loans, your credit limit is purely judged by your civil scores. So if right. your civil score score is very horrible, so probably you won't get a credit card, you won't get a personal loan. But if your civil uh, score is really good your credit card limit can be really high. Plus, and it also depends on your income as well. How much you earn a month. Is the banks just check in their internal systems whether you have ability to service that debt. Then, uh, Furkan, could you maybe tell the audience and us as well, unsecured loan in a nutshell, given that there are certain stop gaps such as civil score, credit score, etc. Prima facie, it does not sound too bad. Right, given that a checks and balance system exists. However, uh, well, yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, however, yeah. could you tell me uh, what then the issue of today vis-a-vis unsecured loans are and where this can go wrong? So, I mean, let's be realistic now. Now, all the civil scores, all the uh, income metrics, they're relative to the economic condition in the country so imagine past three years first we were in a slowdown then we were in a recession and right now also we are not recovery is not what we were expecting and in fact there is a fear that there might be another recession slowdown we clearly are in a phase of slowdown where economic growth has been slowing down quarter and quarter quarter and quarter oppose the i mean initial jumps because there was a low base so in that case in that scenario the incomes of the people so there are layoffs the incomes of the people are not what they used to be earlier so imagine if if my if i was earning uh, one lakh rupees a month suddenly there is a recession and there is a layoff and earlier it would have been possible to service my uh, service my card and everything my civil score would have been good i i would have been able to service my personal loan and everything but now, since there is an economic slowdown, there is a recession and there is a layoff, the income has got truncated. So it would be very difficult for me to service that loan. It's as simple as that. And we saw this thing coming head on at, in the case of RBL, RBL Bank. So we 
all of us might have heard the change of guard at RBL Bank. The basic contention yeah. was that 66% of their retail loan book was unsecured. And wow. this this deteriorated their asset quality in the pandemic years from uh, from a gross NPA ratio of uh, say 1.3% to 5.4% in September 2021. There, there was a huge deterioration in the asset quality. So that shows how uh, unsecured loans play out in times of economic slowdown and recession. You said, uh, for example, the RBL bank, the 66.6% of their entire loans were unsecured. But in COVID, we saw that uh, a lot of banks, they did cut down on giving unsecured loans. So are, are those, are the giving out of unsecured loans back up after, during the financial year 2021 and 2022? And if so, what would be the common malpractices or practices you would associate with giving out unsecured loans in the sector? So, so Fahad, if you talk about sectoral on a sectoral basis, I don't think the banks are still comfortable lending on unsecured basis. I mean, if you look at the overall credit growth numbers also in the past two to three years, in fact, past three, four years as well, the overall yeah. credit gro- growth has been muted. The banks are unwilling to lend despite ample amount of liquidity that, liquidity that, that has been pumped in by the central bank. So, but despite yeah. that fact, banks are unwilling to lend and more so in the case of unsecured lendings. But there are individual cases like you, you see an NBFC, HDFC Limited. Their unsecured book has more than doubled in, uh, in the COVID times, which is surprising to me. I mean, I'm just uh, puzzled to understand who are they lending without a collateral to when there is an economic problem prevailing in the country. So I think it's going to be HNIs and the corporates. Right. Okay, Furkan, could you give the the audience an idea of, let's say, why certain like corporate sector enterprises or corporates, so to speak, need such a huge prevalence of unsecured loans? I mean, see, they need it for various reasons. I mean, one of the easiest way of the getting unsecured loan is probably through NCDs. So most of the companies, you know, they have a lot of underlying, uh, I mean, there is a liquidity problem. You know, your cash is not right. sufficient. Your cash flow is not sufficient enough to support your, uh, this thing, uh, your operations. Right. So what most of these uh, uh, companies do, they go to the uh, market and pick some safe uh, and borrow some 4,500 crore, 5,000 crore from the market to keep the engine running. Right. So more so, it's, a, it's more of a cash flow problem than anything else. Right. So then, and we're going to address the question you began with, right? Given that there, there was an odd prevalence, especially during an economic slowdown of increased unsecured loans in the case of HDFC, as you said. Uh, yes. What, what is to happen when these, when, when the defaults happen? Um. So let's say these, high-flying corporates, etc., for for their cash flow issues, they take these loans and are still not able to 
build it back up so i don't want to predict a doomsday scenario yeah. but if there is a economics economic slowdown as big as say 2008 uh, something like global financial crisis yeah. so it can lead to the collapse of the institutions as well unsecured loans right so are are we talking let's say in the to take the example of hdfc right given that they have almost doubled their uh, amount of unsecured loans etc in the event of uh, let's say them not being honored are we saying the bank assets fails and then they have to be bailed out by the state no i'll have a different opinion there okay. a bit of different opinion there okay. so look at it this way so despite you know such a huge increase in the uh, it's i'm talking not about hdfc bank i'm talking about the hdfc limited the promoter right. of the hdfc right. bank which is the shadow bank right. basically so if you look at hdfc limited also out of 6 lakh crore loans still their unsecured book is 20000 crore only and if you look at historically since independence no bank has been let let to fail by the government mm. and more so when it comes to the big banks the problem would be eradicated much before it comes to the public ears as well okay the government is because you know if one one bank collapses there is a ripple effect, effect on all other banks that's what we saw uh, in global financial crisis yeah. post lehman brothers movement yeah. we saw the financial institutions in america tumbling one after another mm. so there is a ripple effect always in fact i mean due credit to rbi for that that post yes bank which was our own lemon brothers moment we didn't see much of headwinds although there were five institutions that collapsed in a span of two and a half years right so in your opinion this monitoring is presently being done right it's not left on its own yes yes and thankfully see in case of yes bank crisis which uh, i mean i i have been the biggest critic of rbi in that case so rbi was being reactive in that case in fact in my book i have written also that rbi behaved like a reactive bank of india okay so but in the things have changed the yes bank you know yes bank crisis has me given a feeling of once bitten once bitten twice shy to rbi yeah. and in case of we saw that in case of rbl bank crisis they were very proactive much before the things could deteriorate rbi acted it used used its discretionary powers to uh, prevent the situation from escalating right okay uh, vurkan that helps i want to deviate a little bit from the line of questioning now and want to just talk about unsecured lending as a concept as a practice in general yes what do you think unsecured lending plays as a role in the life of let's say an upward mobile class in india and do you how much do you think unsecured lending as a individual practice or as a household practice should be enabled or should be regulated or what are your opinions on unsecured lending for the so, indian middle class so to speak so i mean i mean i it might be harsh but th- this is the truth the way indian uh middle class treats their credit cards is the same as ga- our government treats market borrowings okay. as on date uh, gdp gdp to uh, debt to gdp ratio of our country is 93% which is worse than pakistan also yeah. an alarming number 
there would be a time when all our tax revenues will go in servicing the debt that the government has taken and most of this debt has come in past couple of years right because of you know the reasons we all know covid recession and everything the revenues of the government were tr- truncated especially in the year fy80 fy fy19 fy20 the revenues of the government had a severe strain again in fy19 fy20 so fiscal deficit numbers were deteriorating much before the covid set in also so the government's earnings were not up to mark that they were expecting that said uh, that said our middle class also the the majority of the bourgeois in india behaves the same way you see people spending left right and center in the on their credit cards without thinking of you know there is a repayment that is coming up on these credit cards right so i think the financial literacy is more important on this front than any regulation got it and yes the regulation where would it work you know rbi should come and tell that banks come and tell the banks the appropriate credit mix to carry i mean rbi certainly can't fix the percentages that this much percentage should be the uh, unsecured loan and this much should be the secured loan i'll tell you the reason why now for for a bank as big as hdfc bank limited or icici bank limited for them the cost of capital cost of raising funds is far lower than a bank say rbl bank or a federal bank so when their cost of borrowing is higher in in the mid mid size banks they will go for the products which where they earn more interest rates they have to look at the net interest margin also net interest margin for the uninitiated is the difference between the interest earned and the interest interest expended by the bank which is the basic form of the revenue for any bank so if your interest expended which is reflected by high high cost of funds is way higher than your interest earned there is no point running a bank you are not making any money there so certainly rbi can't ascribe the percentages there that you should have this much secured and this much unsecured but what they can ask them for is a right mix which clearly was not case in uh, was not the case in rbl bank right so you just now said that the middle class treats its uh, credit card so just like you know they, they keep on borrowing without really thinking about it from the credit card so what would be the move that rbi has just allowed the credit cards to be linked to upi how would that pan out for the middle classes in terms of behavior as as well as in terms of the impact that will have i mean the first part i don't know rbi has come up with this move yeah. so to enable upi within the credit cards is going to be a nightmare for the payment gateways also but then again once you get the uh, upis into uh, imbibe upi into this thing credit cards it would just increase your propensity to spend and your propensity yeah. to save will come down drastically which is not good for a long, for a long run in a country like india yeah. you can't be exactly. economy driven by consumption always we have to be economy driven by production also at one point of time we have to look at the success story of the china why is china ahead of us is the 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 basic fact is rather than the consumption story that we have followed all these 30 years they have been okay. focusing on the 
manufacturing story okay yes i think that accurately and um amend this uh, in any way you would like to uh, but do you think like for a country like india an increasing like sense of culture of consumerism coupled with uh, let's say an increasing ease of spending right like growing digital literacy growing digital payments etc which decreases the time and emotional investment that can go yes. into making let's say even a small purchase uh, these are the areas in which maybe the banking sector or the policy and the state and the state can intervene in terms of let's say financial literacy or gen- general financial so, yes state can intervene see for example we have been incentivizing spending still now if you spend this much you will get this much we yes. have to incentivize the savings one of the basic steps that government can do is remove the long term capital gains tax i mean long term capital gains usually happens on the is charged on the when you dispose of some something like shares or property which is a saving that the person has created so it's a it's in in hindsight if you see see it's a kind of coercive measure and a punishment against this thing right okay thank you furkan i think on that note um it would be a good good way to end um i i think largely the takeaway that we have from this is that unsecured lendings in and of itself is not bad per se or or is not a problem once they are regulated with healthy financial behavior and a credit mix yes um i exactly and when it comes to let's say consumptive economies or consumerist culture um we, we need to there there is room for a larger conversation on let's say household investment in capital or personal investment rather than household spending yes. on non essentials yes. and so on so to speak okay thank you thank you furkan that was uh, that was highly enlightening and i think it it bears in mind that uh, j- just because an economy is growing and spending and consuming doesn't mean that everything is hunky dory yes um on on that note thank you for being with us thank you ashok uh, um there are definitely more conversations to be had and we look forward to uh, thank you so much thank you ashok thank you fahad uh thank you thank you for being here with us on this podcast thank you so much thank you for tuning into another episode of policy room produced by the social and political research foundation sprf is a youth oriented public policy think tank based in new delhi working to spark dialogues for a better democracy stay tuned for more episodes coming soon